Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. What did you think about season two of The Mandalorian? Well, I have feelings. <laughs> Many feelings. So anything that, uh, anything Star Wars that I come away from being like, yeah, I'm entertained. You're always like, I have feelings. You're like, because I remember still. We came out of The Last Jedi, and I'm like, oh, you know, that was entertaining. Like, I didn't love it, but I was like, yeah, that was entertaining. I liked it better than Force Awakens, and you're like, I'm not sure how to feel. So it's like, it's kind of and interesting now, that to me it's like, The Mandalorian is like the one Star Wars thing post-original trilogy that I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm on board with this. Like, if this is the only Star Wars they ever made after the original trilogy, no prequels, no anything, like... I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm on board with this. Now, granted, I have not watched Clone Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars is, is a different animal. But, yeah, so, I know, I actually, I really like The Mandalorian. I recommend it to everyone who I think would like it, which is everyone, because it's so good. Um, <laughs> so good! Uh, so the, <laughs> no, 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 so, Teen Girl Squad. So good! <laughs> yeah, there it is. There's, I can't do it right. So... I think my, you know, to get right into the weeds right away, one of the things I loved about season one of The Mandalorian was how it felt completely disconnected. It was it was set in the universe of Star Wars. And obviously, you know, Gro well, we didn't know his name at that point. I was The Child. The Child. The Child was, you know, somehow connected to Yoda. Um, well, his spe same species. Same species. But yeah, for the most part, it's just... And there's the Force, which shows up in some form. But for the most part, it was just... It was a it was a story set in that universe that only connected to the other stories in sort of a secondary way. And with season two, they start connecting more strongly back to Star Wars. Now... The cool thing about it is they're primarily connecting the live-action Star Wars universe with the animated shows, which were also canonical, yes. uh, like the Clone Wars and, and Rebels. But it just to, to some degree, and then later in the season, it connects more strongly throughout the season before we get into spoilers. And so I, I think I had a little bit of mixed feelings of just about that. Not that it was something wrong with the show, that it that it that it, it connected more strongly to other Star Wars properties. More just it took away one aspect of what I enjoyed about season one. Yeah, and I can understand that actually, because and in some ways this is something that I'm not surprised by either. Because I remember reading interviews and stuff about the um, Jedi Fallen Order, for example. Because mm. Saul Guerrero shows up in Jedi Fallen Order. Right. And um, evidently, you know, reading about Lucasfilm's involvement, all of those characters are canonical with And I think, what is it, the Night Sisters with Clone Wars? Yeah. So, like, there's all of this stuff that's canonical with Clone Wars. Like, they have people at Lucasfilm that are being careful with the current canon, what is and what is not canonical, which we'll get into some of what you even mentioned about this okay. season, but... Um, the canon master. The, There's a guy. I what's his name? I used to remember his name, but he's the canon master. 
Uh, not Dave Filoni, that's someone else? No, somebody okay. else. Somebody who's not involved with the films yeah. at all. Because that's the thing. Like, If you look at the original Star Wars Expanded Universe, it contradicted itself a lot because George Lucas would look at it, sign it, sign something off. and like He'd look at it for five seconds, sign it off, yeah, it's okay, and then walk away. You yeah. know, like he didn't really care about the greater consistency. He just was like, you know, one of the reasons he did what he did with Star Wars is, you know, it's a money-making machine, merchandise, yeah. all this stuff. So even if he wasn't making Star Wars, he was willing to make money off of it. Um, that makes it sound more mercenary than it really was, but yeah, uh, it's, it is what it is. Um, so now you have people that are very carefully cultivating that more, cultivating the backstory and the continuity. And so right now Mandalorian and Jedi Fallen Order are all canonical, and that's one of the reasons I think they went for as many you know, experienced actors as they did mm -hmm. for Jedi Fallen Order. Because you could at any time grab the guy who played Cal Kestis, and now he's in The Mandalorian. Right. Or he's in, like, if they do a show with Asaka or something, then he's in that show. Like, you can do that now. It's um, true. Well, we were joking. One of the, the, the sort of jokes my wife and I had when we were watching it was, it's, um, so there's a, this takes a little bit of context. So if you're not familiar with it, there's a reality show called The Masked Singer. Oh. Where, you know, there's some celebrity who, you know, they wear a mask and they perform. Yeah. We were saying Mandalorian is like the masked, masked singer for nerds. Because it's like, it's John Leguizamo. <laughs> I did not. They, they, or they even digital voice modification because I had they, no idea. Or even like Ming-Na Wen in season one or something like that. That's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Because yeah, like, that was me. That was me especially. I'm sitting there because weren't you like, oh, I don't really know her. Someone was like, oh, I don't really know me. No, yeah, I mean, she's she's um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is where I know her That's true. That's from, where you yeah. would know her from. But, Meanwhile, I'm like, it's Chun Li, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's Mulan. But there's well, there's something to the that. Original yeah. Mulan. Original Mulan. It's yeah. Aki from Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Like, right. Yeah, so Big Not One's definitely one of those, like, real catches. But, but with, from, uh, with it, from all throughout it, though, yeah. yeah. No, I understand what you mean, though, because at the same time, it's like Mandalorian was its own thing, and the Force played a minor part. It, it felt like it's like this is where. We can let all the characters that aren't Jedi have a chance. And season two does change that. And the thing is, if you paid any attention attention to casting, you already know that there's at least one Jedi in here. Yeah. So um, it's not. It's still like over. It's not over the top though. No, I would. It's I, still. It feels closer to original trilogy Jedi to me than what the prequels ended up doing, which is lightsaber glow stick rave everywhere. You know, that kind of a thing. So for me, it's it's so, fine, and I'm also... But that, that's the thing. I'm also cynical at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, so... Right, the... What it felt like in a lot of ways... Um, you know, obviously, there's some additions of more Jedi-related things happening. The... It felt like, to some degree, they were ramping up the level of action. So one of the, the things that first made me think of it was the first episode, um, where they fight, you know, what was it that the... The giant sandworm? The giant sandworm thing, but they, they make this comment, oh, you know, was it the Rancor? Like, everybody was living in a Rancor cave? Oh, no, Sarlacc. 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 And you ate the Sarlacc. Yeah, right, exactly that. Like, you know, what? well, what's, uh, you know, can, can live in a Sarlacc cave? Well, something that ate the Sarlacc or something. Yeah. Where... 
It made me think of the episode from the first season where he goes after that beast in the cave by himself and then the child ends up Oh yeah, like the saving. before the Jawas, yeah. Yeah, before the Jawas, yeah. And then to I guess to get his he needs the egg to get the shit yeah. part back and he gets but it makes me think of they just sort of turned it up to eleven essentially. They You're took right. a it is a very. I actually made a similar thought to that because that's the very first episode of the season. Yeah, and yet you see, um, at one point, the Tuscan Raiders lift something from its carcass that looks like an egg. Maybe they're all happy about oh, it. Oh yeah, and it's like okay. I hope they're planning on eating that or something, <laughs> not breeding them, and not turning it into Dune on Tatooine. Right. You know? Like, Next season, we've got Tuscan Raiders riding sandworms oh across Tatooine. I'm going to be honest. Actually, now that I thought about it, I'm kind of like, I I, I kind of would love that. <laughs> it is. That is. That the, sounds kind of awesome. The uh, the 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 conquest of Tatooine by the Tuscan Raiders, like, well, and that's just an that that's an awesome idea. Actually, I hope that happens. And Tatooine gets taken over by Tuscan the Raiders. Raiders again. Yeah, the the Fremen. Um, so. And, and what, so that episode is, you know, it's the first episode of the season. One of the things it does really well is it it humanizes, um, well, now you're obviously the Tusken Raiders, but it, it sort of, it gives you a connection with the rest of the Star Wars universe, the, the outcasts. Like, yeah. what's this, you know, all these characters we pass in Mos Eisley, we don't really care about. And so this takes those sorts of guys, these side characters, and it goes even further out onto the frontier. These are nobodies yeah. in in Star Wars. These are these are nobodies. They exist to get, you know, blown up by the Death Star or whatever else, or collateral damage in a big fight. What and it, it does is it it gets rid of the dark side light side dynamic and focuses on the gray. Yeah. Because the Rebel Alliance and Empire fit into that dark side light side, you know, binary kind of morality. Whereas they, they take a more... And I think overall, there's still this idea that the Empire was oppressive. They're not good kind of a thing. But it's still... Like, like they don't dig... They don't try too hard to dig into the gray and be like, well, neither one's actually really that good. Right. It's, right. Not, it's not like that. It's, like it's, one not the smuggler, it's not the smuggler in The Last Jedi, like, you know, or something like that. But it's still... You get this idea, well, like, not everything the Empire did was awful. And not everything the uh, New Republic is doing is, is actually yeah, then, helping. Yeah. Um, or you even see that so in the one episode you run into uh, a New Republic patrol. Yes. And it's kind of like... For the Man- for us, we're like, oh yeah, the good guys, but for the Mandalorian, especially when we consider one of the episodes in the first season, it's like, oh, that, that's not good for him. Right, there he's, you know, he's like got an unregistered car and, you know, he got pulled over by the cops and you sort of, that's sort of the dynamic. They ran his plates and they decided, oh, oh, you know. Yeah, we got to take you in, buddy. Uh, So, yeah, so right, you get some more of that. You get a little bit more color to the universe, essentially. Yeah, and that's that's what you can do in a a TV show, right, is. Yeah. And what's funny, so I was thinking about this, right? So, I had initially said I felt like The Mandalorian wasn't as Star Warsy to me because The Mandalorian was is a Western. But then at the same time, I was thinking about how 
the the real inspiration for Star Wars, well, uh, one of the many inspirations was were these old Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers yes. style serials, yes. and how I mean, when I did one rewatch of the the first six, the original trilogy and the three prequels, where we basically watched them like TV episodes, and I think in that way. The Mandalorian is very much like an old adventure, yeah. serial sort of And it's show. funny because for me it calls back to watching 90s and early aughts sci-fi television with my old man. Like he used to watch all kinds of stuff. He used to watch Earth 2, uh, which, yeah, leave a comment if you remember Earth 2. Um, he used to watch, uh, oh, I can't remember the one with the Alien Nation. I don't know. He used to watch a lot of sci-fi television. But like the ones that I really remember, of course, are Stargate SG One. Mm-hmm. We watched Farscape together. Um, Star Trek, of course, you would watch Babylon Five, and of course, then you get into two thousands. You get like Firefly, and Mandalorian feels like it was like like it's the new version of those shows, and it's in this day and age maybe one of the only things doing. Like I haven't watched The Expanse. I haven't watched Dark Matter, so I don't know if these shows are doing something similar. Well, so but it's got that old-fashioned adventure of the week, and you don't necessarily have that a lot these days in television, especially not in prestige television. Yeah, and Where? I feel like this is somewhere nice in between because it's only eight episodes, so you don't have like like every episode's able to build the story a little bit. And because it's designed from this for streaming platforms from the ground up. They're not. They don't force hour-long episodes, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I really liked about it. Was you know what? Sometimes an episode only needs to be thirty-six minutes. Yes, it doesn't need to be forty, or you know, we, there's no need to pad. It's like we wrote this episode. This is where it is. We didn't need to yeah. add ten minutes of padding was, to make TV runtime. That was my surprise. Like the first episode of the season is like about an hour. I was like, man, this is longer than uh, the last. I wonder if they 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 increased the episode. Like, no. Yeah, it's just, just most of them are about half an hour, 40 minutes. No, And that's the thing, like, without commercials, most television shows are about 45 minutes. Yeah. But this is like, you, you might have an episode that's only 38 minutes long. That's it. And that's all it needs to be. Yeah. And that was nice. Like, there is no filler. So it's like the best of those old shows, like, because the thing, like, I, I went on Netflix, right? Because mm-hmm. one day I just wanted to rewatch an episode of Stargate SG-1 with um, Anubis, the villain, who... One of the best villains of that show. Probably one of the best villains of sci-fi television. And yet, you know, I'm trying to search through the episode descriptions. And it's like, which one of these, like, involves Anubis? Like, because he's introduced at one point, but there's so many episodes that have nothing to do with them. Right, you gotta have a 24-episode season. Yeah, and and there's only, Every episode has to be 42 minutes for TV. Yeah, and so, like, only a quarter of those episodes, maybe actually involve the villain and the core story whereas here all eight episodes are adventure of the week but they can still advance the story in some way you're still able to get that you know here's this adventure here's this mission of the week here's this and you get to also explore they they do explore different genres as well Hmm. um the one episode we'll talk about a little bit is um very Kurosawa influence, which again, you're talking about original Star Wars influence. Yeah. The original script of Star Wars was very much a ripoff of Hidden Fortress, not the one that was delivered. 
Not the one that we did yeah. yet. There's still the elements of the DNA there, but like it does go back to, you know, when John Milius showed George Lucas all these Kurosawa films and Lucas. Was right. Like, oh, this the, is cool. the the that episode that you're talking about actually wears the Kurosawa influence much more, more on its sleeve than than, uh, than, Star, than Wars. Star Wars does. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. And right. And so you right. You get a little bit of horror. You get. Um, Definitely a couple aliens. Oh yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, throwbacks. Yeah. You get, you're right. You get these sort of more more western episodes. Um, more, I guess the western, the western. Yeah, I mean the one episode is basically a train. There's a train heist essentially. Kind of. It's funny because I thought of that as the Indiana Jones episode. Yeah, it's Indiana. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's not. It's, yeah. It's not just easy to pin. And that's down. the thing. It's not just Indiana Jones episodes. More the set piece feels Indiana Jones, but the episode as a whole doesn't. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's a lot going on, and and right, it, and each episode has each episode stands on its own and moves the story forward. Um. But to go back a little bit, because like what you were saying with the TV show, you can develop more. But again, I again, I love how they don't go too deep because there was a podcast I used to listen to, and there's a guy talking about all this like the pre Darth Sidious guy, the Darth um, Plagueis, Plagueis, and it's like you don't really find out about anything. But the guy said, "No, man, I love this. It's the lore. It's the lore. It's like you mean have to read like two books and a comic in order to understand right. who this guy is. That's not lore, man. That's that, maybe it is lore, but it's like, that's just too much. It's not interesting. It's not good storytelling. Here, they know how to build depth with little details. Again, we, we get this new sandworm creature, and we know it's, you know, big enough that it can eat a sarlacc, you know? But it's like, it doesn't really... Like, you don't have to find out the whole ecosystem of Tatooine. You just know, right. oh, they made up this new creature. Or, and one of the examples that I brought up is there's the scene at the end of one of the episodes where you have that you know, Rebel, uh, well, New Republic pilot who's talking to Kara, I believe it is, Gina Carano's character. And, you know, he's like, you know, you looked at your file, you know, you're from Alderaan. And he's like, did you lose anybody? And it's funny because part of it's the acting too. Like, he says, you're from Alderaan. And immediately, you know, her, her, her body language shifts just slightly. Right. Just slightly enough, you know. Better than you'd expect from a UFC fighter in an acting role. Definitely, um, yes. But, is, you know, is like... You know, did you lose anyone? And the answer is, I lost everything. And now in your mind, you're thinking about what it means to have actually blown up a planet. Which is mm. also, again, like, we're talking about where, as fantastical as things get, this feels more grounded because they only blew up one planet and they're treating it like that. Like, they're treating it with respect, I guess you could say. You know, yeah. you, you have a couple of lines that tell you about not just this character, but what others across the universe must also feel versus Force Awakens. We got a planet that's going to suck up a sun and then blast away five other planets and everyone's going to be able to see in the sky. Like, whereas one movie that I will not name caused me to struggle not to just burst out laughing in the theater. This treats it with respect and is like, man, you know. That really does stink to blow up an entire planet. Imagine like losing everything that you were fighting for. You know, like you 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 fought for your planet, you fought for 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 Alderaan, and next thing you know, it blew up. 
as well as your family, your friends, your home, everything, your everything, home, yeah. everything. It's like, and they only did it in a two, few lines. It's like to me, that is good development of a setting. That is good lore there. Like that's, oh, that and that's what, oh, that, that's what made me so angry about the unmade movie because you go into the beginning and they don't really care. It's just no, uh, I gotcha, I gotcha. And they also even bring it back up with a, com- a character on the different side um, later, to, like on the last episode, which we will well, bring that up a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it just made me think of like of uh, the Last Jedi, where th- at the end it's like everybody's like happy celebrating. Like, how many people just died? You just lost the entire fleet. Yeah, you lost like. You know, Admiral Akbar died. Like, you know, pour one out for Akbar. And, and everyone's just like, hey, it's a party. We're this great crew of resistance and we're going to win. Yeah. Because we're, you know. We got two dozen people left alive. Yeah. Not even. Not even. There, there's like ten people on the Millennium Falcon. You know, you're on the Millennium Falcon. You're probably feeling pretty good about your odds if you're on the Millennium Falcon. That's true, you know. If 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 you know, it's like, oh, you know, these were all the main characters from the last series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So as long as I'm on the ship with Chewbacca, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was the problem. Han Solo was not with Chewbacca at that point. At that point, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's we didn't know then. <laughs> all right. Um, so so um, I mean, I don't know how I how much. Do we want to go into spoilers? I feel like we have to yeah, go into spoilers. Part of me wants to go episode by episode, but I don't know how detailed we want to go. Because it's like, that could take a while. We could go episode by episode, and we can, if some episodes are going to have require more yeah. ana- analysis and conversation yeah. than others. Because, um, um, alright, yeah, we'll go right into spoilers. We're going to spoil every episode in sequential order. So, uh, if you haven't watched Mandalorian Season 2, you probably should. Um... I mean, we both like it. It's, and this is okay. Actually, I mean, it's, it's the best. It's the best Star Wars we've gotten since The mm-hmm. Mandalorian season one. I'll go on one spiel here, because a while ago when we were talking about, I think Attack of the Clones, I it was either Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones where I talked about you know franchise fandom becoming a religion thing, and it's kind of on that lines because it's like I feel like we've reached a point where people forget that they fell in love with the show for a reason or the movie for a reason and instead they follow like the new Star Trek right these things don't have very good ratings they don't have very good overall like you know regular yeah. schmo reviews you know like deep, like a lot of people with a lot of good reasons don't like these shows right but there are people I know that watch them because it's like I got a man it's Star Trek and it's like, is it? Is this the Star Trek you loved? Is this the Star Trek you fell in mm. love with? Does this carry the traits that Next Generation did? And the same goes with Star Wars. Do you love the name Star Wars? Do you feel loyalty to the brand name or not? Because for me, I like that original. We know I, I like those original movies. I have no loyalty to the brand otherwise because I like those movies. I don't feel obligated to absorb everything just because it has the name, name Star Wars. That's ridiculous to me. I think Mandalorian, if you don't care about Star Wars, you will still like this show. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. If you just want to watch yeah. a, a good... Sci-fi television. You just want good sci-fi, adventure of the week television. With a overarching plot. Tight. This is a is good tight. show. It's tight, well-written, um, good characters. Yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and that's part of the reason I recommended it you know, to people who don't really care that much about Star Wars. Like, you have Disney+, Plus, you haven't watched The Mandalorian. What is wrong with you? What else are you watching that could possibly be better than The Mandalorian? Right now, this is basically the reason to have Disney+, Plus. honestly. Yeah. Well, unless well, you, you have Wanda- a lot of little kids, maybe. I mean, WandaVision just started. Which, that, that'll be another whole other topic for discussion. That's actually, just as a, as a total sidebar here... Like, WandaVision is, like, some high-concept stuff going on that I I could not imagine 10 years ago anybody trying to get away with, with at a, at a level, at this level of budget and production, trying to get away with a show like WandaVision. We'll have to talk about it. But anyway, um, that's but not, a whole Not other, right now. But anyway, that's, that's anyway, another whole other discussion. Um... You know, if you're a Star Wars fan, you've probably already watched The Mandalorian. If you're a Star Wars fan who was burned by the sequels, then get unburned. Or even the prequels, depends on how the, far back we go. I mean, but. how far back you go. Get unburned by The Mandalorian, which it is a new and unique take on the Star Wars universe that is largely, that is most faithful to the original trilogy. In terms of the aesthetic, the aesthetic, the feel of it the overall, the feel of it overall, um, and it's just it's it's very well done, artfully done television that sort of takes the. Hold on, I've got this. I've got this. I've just I need to come up with the right words. Uh. It takes the pretension out of prestige television. Well, because it's not trying to prestige tell me prestige. I mean, it is. Okay. It is prestige. The production quality, the the fact that it is a sense. It's a short show. Yeah. It has all of the trappings of prestige television without any of the pretension of prestige television. Without any of the this has to be for adults, and we've got to do adult stuff, and this has to have you know whatever all the other things. It's. I don't know if I agree, but I'm not going to bother disagreeing. We've argued enough about genre and other <laughs> stuff on our Discord, man. I'm not going to bother fighting about this. Right, we'll fight um, about this. <laughs> but it's like, again, it, 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 we'll fight about this it's good TV. Discord. It's just good TV, period. Good TV. Um, but yeah, now we're going to spoiler territory, so if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, or listen listen to us talk about it. talk about it, and then you'll know what happens. And then you know what happens, and go watch it, and you can be like, oh. Or in some cases, you can be prepared. Chris, Chris makes the- a really strong point about the structure of episode three and how that relates <laughs> to, you know, anyway. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. There's no... Good points about other things later on, but... Anyways, cutting into the spoiler section. First episode... Uh, the Marshal. The Marshal. Which, again, like we're not going to go nitty-gritty detail. We're not going to do every episode like plot point by plot point. Just hitting the major overarching stuff, I think. Yeah, so so the big thing that, that I mean, in terms of the overall structure of the the series, the, the, the continuity moments, basically is the discovery of Boba Fett's armor. Yes. Um, which... I remember first seeing him being like, 
Oh man, I hope this confirms he's dead. Yeah. And then you see a bald, mutilated man at the end. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, oh no. I, I recognized him right away. I knew who it was as soon as I saw that guy at the end. Dude, he's a. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not just because of the makeup, man. I wasn't sure. Like, I'm. Good on you for recognizing him. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay, so it's a, I think it's a really fun episode in general. Um, one of the things, like I said earlier, it, it really humanizes the Tuscan Raiders. It gives you an interesting. I wouldn't say humanizes them, but it does make them. It, it it's I don't want to say civilizes either. That's got baggage, but it does definitely make them more than just savages. Yeah. Um, it gives them a culture. It gives them a, you know... It, it gives them a culture. Like, that's the best way you can put it. Like, they well, can be traded with. They can be Right, they can be... With. You can communicate with them. You can negotiate with them. You can... They're not... Right, they're not just some kind of, you know... Savage or animalistic, you know, people out there that are... You know that kidnapping people's mothers. That, yeah, exists just... to kidnap your mother, um, and and all of that stuff, or just you know serve as a vaguely menacing threat in uh, in the original trilogy or something yes. like that. So, so I think you know it does that well. It gives you a little slice of life on the Star Wars frontier. Yeah, because you have the what it takes to survive. Like the guy that's got the Mandalorian armor, he's wearing that because he's got to defend the town somehow. And he doesn't even know it's Mandalorian armor. He doesn't know who Boba Fett is. He just found it. He found it. It's cool armor. It's got some cool weapons on it. Yeah, it's got a lot um, of abilities to it. Um, you finally get to see the rocket launch on the jetpack. Um, yeah. And that was actually a nice touch towards the end when, you know, Mandalorian's got his plan. He hits the button on the Marshal's jetpack. And it's the I think it's the exact same gun. I'd have to go and make comparisons, of course, and I don't have... I don't care enough about that. I think it's the same gun, but regardless, he hits the same button and sends the guy flying, only this time to safety, as yeah. Han Solo hits on Boba Fett to Boba send Fett. him to the Boba Fett, Fett. where? Yeah, 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 yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice little callback without drawing your attention to it. Because he doesn't say Han's line, they don't do that, but it's just a nice little like, oh, if you know, you know, or if you notice, yeah. you notice. Um... But yeah, it starts with John Leguizamo, and I had no idea he was an. They had to have put voice modification on there. Yeah, they must have done something to to make yeah. it. Yeah, but it's 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 basic. It basically helps get the season off the ground, reintroduces you to the Mandalorian, um, gets you someplace comfortable again, like Tatooine, where everyone recognizes. But also gets it there because, well, let's be honest, Disney decided they wanted a Boba Fett show. And we needed to get Boba Fett alive somehow. So, in much the same way Samuel L. Jackson shows up at the end of Iron Man for the Avengers Initiative, we have Boba Fett showing up here. So, oh, we explain why he's alive, and that way we could just have his own TV show right. in December of 2021, and, hopefully. And throughout the series, they essentially re recreate the character whole cloth. Basically, yes. Um... For now, we don't know that. For now, you see the armor and you know immediately it ain't him. Right. It's instead the villain of Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's good. I didn't catch it at first either. I looked it up because I'm looking at the guy. I'm like, he looks like the cross between Pierce Brosnan 
and I can never remember his name. He was in the remake of Bad News Bears. He was in Bad Santa. Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, he looked like a fusion of Pierce Brosnan and Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, can you think? That's, those are like two very different people. Yes, but his face is like when you get the computer where you give it to the two pictures and it tries to make the baby out of like, like what would their child look like? It's it's that kind of thing. That's what the guy looks like in this. I mean, if you were if you were going to try to find two like more different white guys, James Bond and somebody named Billy Bob, <laughs> and yet and yet he yeah. looks like the fusion of the Some, two of them. Somehow he looks like the fusion of the two of them to me. But regardless of any of that, uh, well, you'd have to also see older Pierce Brosnan in order to understand. I mean, I've seen that. Billy Bob Thornton just looks old to begin with. Like, he, he's one of those guys that looks old when he was 30. And you're exactly. Like, no, yeah, now he's 50 or something. He's the exact like, opposite of Paul Rudd. <laughs> so, <laughs> Pretty much. So, okay, so yeah, so there's, I mean, there's, there's a little bit more, I feel like... I don't know, maybe sort of wasted on this whole idea of the, oh yeah, there's this the minor takeover. Well, I forget exactly how it goes. The town that they're in, there's the... Oh yeah, the bandits come and that's what gets him like out into the wilderness and he finds the armor. And he finds the armor and he comes back with the armor and kicks all their butts and... Oh, he finds it on the Jawa Sandcrawler as well. Which again, another thing, like you get to see someone trade with Jawas, which, you know, we saw in A New Hope, but it's like... Yeah. It's just cool to see that kind of a thing. It is, again, like, you have the, the, they're, most of the locals are able to trade with the Jawas, who are scavengers, mm-hmm. but they're not able, like, most of them don't trust or trade with the Tuscan Raiders. Like, that, again, subtle bits of lore kind of a thing. So the subtle bits of development of the setting, where it's like, yeah. And who knows what's going to happen with the Tuscan Raiders after this, but... Now they can um, ride sand sharks. And there was, of course, fun, fun to be had when I'm watching with my dad, and I'm like, well, that Tuscan Raider pulled the short straw, and he's about to get in by oh, the yeah. <laughs> like, uh, But no, it's, it's a fun, good episode, and again, like the most important thing is, you know, the Boba Fett armor. Yeah. Um, which looked silly on the Marshall, but I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the, honestly, yeah, it doesn't. It, obviously, it was intended to look kind of silly on him. It it's interesting. Uh, you we'll know, com- get to that compared to yeah, Mando's armor. It seems kind of yeah. lacking. So, which was episode two again? So that's the the passenger where. Oh yeah, where he gets so, the. So he's taking the the frog lady. Yeah. From Tatooine to now. Okay, so something Reptile I would... lady, salamander lady. Yeah, frog lady. She's frog lady. Ah, uh, fine. Um, so something that I wanted to address that it seems to have been a, a point of controversy is is the the child eating the eggs. Was this controversial? Yeah, lots of people were I'm like, not surprised. like, like, oh my gosh, did like he just commit genocide? Um, I wouldn't but... say genocide, even though it is the last of the species. For me, I'm, see, so, I, okay, I find so, this funny. So they I find this funny because I wasn't going to bring it up as something controversial. Because for me, it is like you know, I didn't laugh as much because I'm like, that's your baby, you know, like it's 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 so, not fertilized yet, right? So they make it very clear like, in the episode that she needs to get to her husband to, to fertilize them. this last bit of these last eggs. But that's the thing, like my mind, the where I am, it's like that's going to be someone's baby, like so. And it's funny because my parents, you know, they're telling me, it's like, oh, wait till you see. It's hilarious. And I'm like, because my first thought was like, oh, what's he going to try and eat them? 
And they're like, oh, wait till you see. And yes, he's, he's going to try and eat them. Which, eat but it's like, I didn't realize it became a huge controversial point, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Because we I can mean, bring modern politics into this, but I think you can get get the picture. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think it was... Right, I, I don't know. It, it, it was what it was. So this is this is the episode where we get a little bit... So we get a couple things, right? We get the, the Mandalorian... It's at least unique controversy to run into in this day and age. Yeah. Um, and this is the advantage of not being on social media because I had no clue. I, had I don't no know how clue. much. Of, I don't know how much of a controversy it was. Like I saw a couple articles from you know the typical um, places, the typical places that are going to want to create a, a controversy out of a non-troversy. Yeah. So uh, right. So anyway, so we so also in this episode we get the. Aliens reference right. with the obvious face hugger. Uh, well, at first, it looks like the egg sack with which there's a fan. He opened that up, and I'm like, that's, an ace, that's a face hugger. But, you know, it turns out to be a big spider creature after each the first one. You know what? Yeah. This is also the episode where, the first two episodes, in fact, where I just found it amusing because I started to pick up already. And I asked my sister, because she, this is not Mandalorian. This is the Baby Yoda show to her. That's its official name. The baby. Yoda That's show. why she watches it. And so, you know, I asked her because she'd know, do they have more of the child in this? Like more reaction shots, more this, more that. Do they have more? Do they crank it up to 11 compared to the previous season? And she said yes. Because I get that feeling. Not, they don't actually crank it up to 11. They don't over go over the top. Right. But it does feel like they have more of the child in there. And I kind of love it because this is one of those episodes where it's like, that's a toy. They just got a toy there. They're moving the little feetsies little by little. It's, it looks so yeah. fake. It's such a Muppet. But it's like they it's like they know. They know what it looks like. And they just don't care. They're like, you love this child. You want a, you want a baby Yoda, even if it's a toy. So we're just going to like, just keep we're it just, going. We're, we're not going to improve yeah. the animatronic at all. We're just going to like right. move it like a little dolly. And this is it's also one of those things where, you know, you you get the there's there's a practical effect. Um, it's right. It's a toy. It's stop motion. It's a puppet, and it's it's great and. It, helps that feeling of again connection to the original Star Wars where I can only imagine if it were a totally CG creation where they, they do use some I mean, CG but like you can already they do use some but not a lot um, but they try to stick to the practical as much as possible and use CG yeah. where necessary because all you need to look at is the difference between puppet Yoda and CGI Yoda right and and you knowing knowing the prequels and the special editions, you kind of know where this could have ended up with you know the the wrong direction, and yeah. and keeping it as it is is the right direction. Well, it makes this me is, wonder. Like, it makes me wonder what someone that might be like fifteen or sixteen that you know has grown up with crazy CGI ever because like the earliest good CGI we had was Jurassic Park, and it still took the entire nineties for that to become more commonplace. And that, that was kind again... Of like CGI more commonplace. That was again a mix of practical... There was a mixture, you're right. Practical and CGI. And if you think about it, some of the biggest CGI sections 
were were filmed intelligently. A dinosaur chase in the dark in the rain. Yes. Well, well, the chase wasn't in the rain. Oh, it was in the rain. But the original T-Rex, yes. Because when you see that T-Rex in the daytime, it looks clearly more fake. It's when it's at night in the rain right. or in the dark that... And it's funny because lighting is supposed to be one of those difficult things, including shadows, and yet... They did real well right. at that time in hiding it. Right, but, yeah, no. The, the, the kids today are spoiled where they see realistic... All the, the our, sets are an Unreal Engine in this Mandalorian when you think about it. Right. I was going to say, our, our video games today look better than the CGI, the CGI from yeah. the 90s. I mean, just look at Babylon 5. Yeah. The CGI I mean, in Babylon even, 5 is like... Even any number of like, you know, uh, Mimic, Anaconda... Um, oh god, Anaconda! Any number of these like '90s movies that that used had a CGI monster, and then you look at that and then compare it to like a Devil May Cry Five boss. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you, you you're right, but that's where I wonder again. Like when you have like someone that's like ten to fifteen to sixteen years old watching this. And so they've grown up with these graphics, you know. They've grown up with things looking this imperfect. I mean, we're talking, they were five years, someone that might have been five years old when the Xbox 360 came out, right? So, you know, like, what would they think seeing this little baby Yoda that in some scenes it looks, you know, like a really good animatronic. It's very believable as a child. And then other scenes where either they're, any, anytime someone's picking it up or holding it, it clearly looks like a toy. Or when it's just, you know, waddling around, you know. It makes me wonder what they would think. Like, would they f be like, dude, that looks so dumb. Or would they be like, <laughs> that looks silly. Like, and, yeah. be, and, and still be willing to buy into it either way. Maybe I'll ask my niece. She's 15. She's, there you go, right right in there. So, we'll find out. Um, we'll, we'll find out, yeah. So, anyway, so, yeah. That was actually, I think that was my least favorite episode of the season. It, it, it... I can understand why, because I like it's also again like I had to ask. It's like what's what's because now that I know that that's the second episode, I immediately know what the third episode is. Right, and that's the point. So the point of that episode is to get uh, Mando to the planet where he will meet some more of his kind, essentially. But instead, his, of, well, they had kind. to throw the complication. You can't begin and also the episode. Damage the ship. Yeah. Right, you're, so so basically the point of the episode yes, is... Yes, you need to damage the ship. Yes. We heavily damage his ship, and we get that him... that way episode four is what... Yeah. Right, we get him to a planet where he can meet Starbuck. Yeah. Um, oh, so you want to transition right there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we don't need to spend too much time on, on each episode. We don't, because again, like we already discussed that in this episode. Like, why does he get trapped? Because you got the two rebel patrols, the new... Right. Uh, the... He's trying, to, he's trying to evade Republic. the New Republic yeah. patrols, and he gets himself trapped on this ice planet full of and it, spider monsters. It's funny. Actually, there's one thing that I liked is because you've watched the shows, you know what it means. From the Mandalorian's perspective, when you see the, the, the what do they call them, the foils? The X-foils. The oh, X-foils. they switch to attack position. When they switch to attack position, you're like, oh... Like, that's a good use of, you know, viewer knowledge, I think. Because right. it, it turns, like, the expectation well, you know, on you its You know, head. if you've watched The New Hope, you know that, you know, that the, they say that, you know, X-Foils to attack position or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But here you don't get to hear that. They're like, yeah. switch to channel two. And next thing you know, there's a moment of silence. And then all of a sudden, the X-Foil spread out. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. He's <laughs> no. in trouble. So, again, it's like that's that's a moment of taking what you would know, what you expect, but giving it that new perspective. So it's, it's like, oh, no. Right. You're not looking at this from a member of the Rebel Alliance or yeah. the Resistance or anything else. You're looking at it as, you know, some guy who's got an unregistered vehicle and yeah. maybe some illegal cargo. And just, we scanned his plates and he came up uh, with a warranty on his head. Well, not yeah. a warranty, a warranty, good a warrant, guy. Yeah. A warrant on it his head. It looks like you've got some outstanding warrants in, uh, you know. <laughs> All right. So, um, so, so uh, but yeah, we get, to, we get to Fish Planet, which this is actually, a, I think this is a bit of a test to also, like when you talk about that Star Wars-y feel, because I, I was thinking about it. It's like, Attack of the Clones, a diner. Doesn't feel Star Wars-y to me. It feels too modern. A casino in Last Jedi. Doesn't feel Star Wars-y to me. It feels too modern. A fishing planet that looks like it could be any fishing town in the Northeast USA. Except for the giant walker thing. Somehow I'm okay with this. Like, it, it still feels weird. Like, they're on the fishing boat, and I'm like, this is outer space. Couldn't they just fly over the ocean? Like, is there something... Like, I'm sitting there trying to figure... And that, that gets me in my mind. Like, I almost stopped paying attention to the scene, because I'm trying to figure out, if I were a writer, how would I logic this? Is it that like, it's cheaper to go onto the ocean, and it costs more fuel to fly over? Like, I'm trying to figure out... You scare like, the fish. Uh, I guess. Because, no. Because if you're, if you're exerting enough, like thrust, if you're going to like hover over the water to catch fish or something, if you're exerting enough thrust to hover over the water, you're disrupting the water significantly and making a ton of noise, which is going to scare any fish out of the general vicinity. See, we could write sci-fi. I am, you know I'm the best at headcanoning. <laughs> at headcanoning, this is true. I am. Uh, Fortunately, I, this does not require stretched logic. That's this a, makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, right? You still want to use a boat because you don't want to... Do that to essentially just go scare all the fish away while you're fishing. Yeah. So we... And again, though, it feels... And part of it, because for me, part of Star Wars, based off that original film especially, is grit. Yeah. Like, stuff that doesn't this, look This place feels, it feels... So that's... I think that's what the... And again, some of it has to do with the CGI and other things. Um, where, you know, you've got the... the very the four-armed chef in Attack of the Clones. Well, yeah, pulling up his pants because his butt crack showing. Right, where there's like, yeah. it tries to add detail, but they're not details. They're just character. It's not character. It's character. Character. Yeah. And where I think the Mandalorian hits the sweet spot, where it's it adds character. So on my like, I'm a rewatch of the Last Jedi, my most recent one. I didn't hate Canto Bite. I felt like there were good parts and bad parts to to the whole thing, um, but again, I think that's still leaning a little bit into character, where it's it's like, oh, there's all these rich people, and all they do is hang out here and gamble. The only thing that looks alien about it is the fact that it has aliens. Right. That's. But otherwise, it looks just like a Las Vegas casino, basically. There's nothing yeah. alien about it, and I think that's where. Star Wars, The Mandalorian gets what that original... Because I was thinking about this yeah, when it came the, to costuming. Because costuming in Star Wars feels like it crosses eras. 
you'll have people wearing something that looks a lot more fantasy-based with modern boots and random goggles over their head. And it creates this sort of unique visual where it, 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 it captures that long ago in a galaxy far away. It's long ago, but still sci-fi because it's another galaxy. Hmm. Um, like, and I really thought about this in, again, The Marshall, where you saw people that I'm looking at their outfits, I'm like, that's a Star Wars outfit. That's a Star Wars costume. Yeah, and that's and that's where this, this fishing planet city nails the Star Wars aesthetic, is, is in being this sort of, like, ancient futuristic or yes. something. That it's just... Ancient, it, modern, futuristic. Because, again, you have, like, the big, John, like, the, the, the walker... That pulls his boat out of the water, right? Like, he it pulls it out, and this walker itself, it looks old. It looks like it's been there for a while. It looks well right. used. And it's yet, it's future. It's part of a future setting, because we don't have something like that. It's It looks like it's from a thousand years in the future, but that it's a hundred years old. A thousand years in the future. Yes. More or less. In, this, in, a, in a setting that feels familiar enough to understand, like, yes, this is a fishing and yet and well even even just like thinking about it they for the bar that features fairly prominently in the episode yes it it matches the sort of the Moss Eisley Cantina aesthetic without being Moss Eisley Cantina right bit for bit bit for bit but it sort of it gets some of that same this is what a bar looks like in a starport town and it also because this is clearly a planet of mostly ocean, what aliens do we also see? Mostly Mon Calamari, and I'm sure those squid squid aliens have some yeah. kind of a name somewhere. I just don't know it. Yeah. But it's like they carefully chose what are the alien races we're seeing here to make sense to the planet. And this is where, you know, compared to the sequel trilogy, you kind of see this great care taken and attention to detail. Uh, that I think ends up being lost in the sequel trilogy eventually. I think there are points where there's... I think that Jakku in The Force Awakens, there was a... Excuse me. There was a lot of attention to detail in Jakku. But I don't know that that really happens anywhere else in the movie that you have that kind of... Or in the, the trilogy, hardly even. Where you have that that sort of... The uh, anyway, I know what you're talking. About, I know what you're talking about. It's because uh, I'm, I'm thinking. You know, you have people grabbing scraps off of an old imperial ship, trying to sell yeah. it, and they basically get ration chips. Right, right? and and it's even the, the little things like they made a practical effect for the ration that Ray cooks, or yes. whatever that she heats it. She heats it up and it expands. That was like a that was a practical effect. They didn't do a yeah. CGI. They they spent the time on that. And it feels like they didn't put that level of attention into all of the details in the sequel trilogy, but the creators Heck, of the man- throughout the entire movie, like even that- even with right, even within that movie, nowhere else do we get that level of thought into all of this. The Mandalorian, they put that into every setting in every episode. Yes, um, but let's get to the so the big part, reveal is- in this episode. Is Starbuck is a Mandalorian? Is a Mandalorian, but they're not the same Mandalorians as they're not the same as our Mandalorian. And this is, as you were telling me, the first 
Attack of the Clones, not Attack of the Clones, the first Clone Wars character or Rebels character to make their appearance yeah. within Mandalorian. Right, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, okay. Uh, I feel like Bo- I've heard her name somewhere before. But... Yeah, and I'm, I'm really foggy. Um, it's been so long since I watched the Clone Wars. But so she's like the... She's like the head of... She's I believe her sister is like the queen of Mandalore. Mm. And she's like the head of the royal guard. But then she's also involved. There's a there's like an insurrection. And she's sort of like the militaristic one. Like, oh, we need more military power and strength to, you know, stand up to... Because Mandalore's kind of neutral. They don't want to... They're not siding on either side of this. When... Okay, so, so what happened be, to the planet of Mandalore and when? Because this is where I get fuzzy. So I'm pretty sure that at the that when the the Empire basically glasses Mandalore, they do mention that. Yes. So that's so that's that would be in between. That'd be somewhere between between the end of Revenge of the Sith and the beginning of A New Hope. Mandalore is is blown up. Essentially rendered uninhabitable. See, this is funny because I always thought of Mandalore as being this thing that was before even the, the the prequels. So I think that's when the whole Jedi War, where the the dark the creation of the dark saber and all that, I believe, is before. If I'm remembering right, that's before the prequels. So mm. and so the the dark saber plays in the Clone War series. So as soon as I saw it at the end of Mandalorian season one, I'm like, oh, like you know exactly what it was. I like, oh, here and we I go. Heard other people talking about it. Yeah, yeah, here we go. We got some Filoni in the house. Um, what? Oh, the the guy Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, yeah, uh, who created, um, who honestly is the guy. Put Dave Filoni and John Favreau in charge of Star Wars, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I'm asking for right now. Right. So anyway, so Bo-Katan shows up. And they're Mandalorians. They're like, they think that um, our friend Mando, what's that? I forget, he has a real name. We call him Mando. Pedro Pascal? Not Pedro Pascal. Does he ever give a real name? I think he's just I, I the think, Mandalorian. I think it, it, like once in season one they say his real name. Anyways, he's Mando. So he is part of like an extremist cult. And they, they well, never, that's what they say. Because this is where, again, like, I remember bits like, you know, someone had someone played a clip of Obi-Wan from the Clone Wars 3D animated show where he's like, I think it was a 3D animated show. Because there's also the Gendy Tarkovsky. Right. There one. was the, the other one that's non-canonical. Really? That was yeah. supposed to be awesome. It was awesome, but it's non-canonical. Oh, that's lame. Um, but okay, so the, the canonical 3D animated Clone Wars where Obi-Wan's like... You know, Jango Fett and Boba Fett are not actually Mandalorian, like, right, or something like that. So um, I think, I think there was some, there was some degree of need to, in so for the the popular consciousness, more people have pro- have obviously watched the prequels, the original trilogy, and probably even the Mandalorian at this point, than watched any of the animated shows. So there's some need to to sort of make make this all fit, right? From a canon yeah, lore perspective. Is, from a later episode we'll get to the tragedy, we'll find some of that. We'll, we'll find some of the, um, the the way to fit it around. But it's like, evidently, as you said, this Bo-Katan took her helmet off in the 
original the animated yeah, series it was not or like yeah there so i don't know where this never take their helmet off idea came from if it started in mandalorian or if it was somewhere else because right. it's not the mandalorian wasn't the first time i heard about this so i don't know where this idea comes from it might be one of those things that because boba fett never takes his helmet off in the original trilogy that somebody bar I, i'm not familiar on, on exactly everything Somebody borrowed that in the what's now Legends was expanded universe, um, and did that, and then whether or not season, that's part of my question is at the you know when they're writing episode season one episode one of the Mandalorian, you know, do they is that before Dave Filoni was on board? Right. Are um, they taking all this into consideration, or are they just like, hey, it's a cool idea? He never takes off his helmet. Because that's the thing, we know this, it says series created by Jon Favreau. Did Jon Favreau work with anybody else? Was Dave Filoni brought on board later for different things? Like, Because I feel like at this point, Dave Filoni probably has more involvement. But, or maybe he just had this idea. Like, I don't know. Like, there, there's a whole bunch of, they had this idea and now they're deciding it's, a, it's an extremist sect. From my perspective, I didn't know how to feel about that because that's, felt like typical TV bullcrap. And also, I made a comment about it, but this also lends to the fact that, you know, um, that it might have been, because I don't put too much, I don't put too much faith into a lot of rumors coming about. Oh, especially about Pedro when it comes Pascal. To, yeah, Pedro, Pedro Pascal, Pascal not wanting thing. to wear the helmet as much, and he's like, no, I love wearing the helmet. Well, that's um, the thing too, because at the same time, a really professional actor is going to know how to do PR and is going to be like, no, 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 everything's cool, everything's fine. There's no drama behind offset. Um, like you can find, um, there's there's evidently, uh, I, I forget what show it was on, but evidently there was a time that um, when um, Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf were doing press circuit for um, Crystal Skull Crystal Skull and Shia LaBeouf sitting there like oh man no, nah, the movie's not really that good the movie's a blah blah like he's basically just you know doing this whole thing and Harrison Ford kind of leans in he's like yeah you know you, when you do the press you're supposed to talk about the movie and the thing is you know Harrison Ford like he's been trying to get his character killed after them since the first one yeah right he, he like every single movie like he was in Empire and he's sitting there you know George you kill me off you know, he's in Return of the Jedi. He's like, you know, George, you can kill me off. And I'm not joking here. This is no, yeah. real. This is true. Oh, no, I, I've, I've joked about this before. How how finally in The Force Awakens, he probably tells JJ, listen, come back in. You got to kill me. JJ's like, hold this. I got this. We're going to stab you in the heart with a lightsaber. We're going to kick you into a bottomless pit <laughs> on a planet. And then we're going to have the planet explode and become a star. <laughs> and Harrison was like, like good I can't come back and then evidently he, he did come back <laughs> uh, for like, poor man. like one minute but yeah. poor man but yeah that's the thing like um, I forget why oh yeah but that's the thing Harrison Ford is a professional and I'd imagine you know so, Pedro Pascal is a professional even if this drama was true he would say it wasn't but the thing is the way the course of the show works, I'd wonder if that were the if it were actually I th- true. I but think I, my my take is I think that this was generally planned that um, that the I think that they're being tight enough 
on what is canon and what is not canon in Star Wars right now. Yeah. That they would have told, you know, that when they're creating this, okay, like these guys don't take their their helmets off. This isn't, these aren't normal Mandalorians because we have this, this, and this canon situation of helmetless Mandalorians. This might also be the only episode where I heard this is the way. Oh, yeah. No, they say it, I think that it comes back. They do, it does yeah. come back because I'm trying to remember and it's like, because that was such a big thing in the first season that everyone was saying it. It, was, it became a meme. Right, now it's like, wait a minute. They didn't really say it as much because they're all gone apparently. So this is also, this is this this episode where I think feel like we really get the the inciting moment that's going to end up driving us to the finale, which is this idea, we're well, not inciting moment, but at least we, we get an idea of what the core plot is, which is Bo-Katan wants the Darksaber. Yes. The dude has the Darksaber. What's his name again? Moff Gideon. Moff, yeah. Moff Gideon has the Darksaber. And that basically the Moff Gideon and the Darksaber is the point where all of this is going to collide. Where Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian and the other Mandalorians yes. are all going to converge on that yes. at some point. Because you have, well, it's basically the two plots, and you don't even know that it's a major plot yet for Bo-Katan. She wants to take back Mandalore. She wants to take the planet back. Um, she wants the Darksaber in order to lead, which we don't know that part yet. We just know she wants the yeah. Darksaber. And therefore, she needs to get in contact with Moth Gideon. And again, this is actually another episode where it shows very much the leadership of the Empire, the officers of the Empire, have bought into this idea of bringing order to the galaxy. Hmm. The grunts, not so much. They're much more varied. Some are faithful, some are not. But this is bringing that idea... It, it honestly, it works for me in allowing the Empire to still be villains and yet understand why someone might join the Imperial Army. Mm -hmm. Like, why someone would get promoted. That you believe you are bringing order. Um, Which is interesting because... it. I mean, I guess, I don't know. The, the whole... The actual philosophy behind the Sith versus the Jedi. Where it feels like the, the Sith are kind of chaos and the Jedi are kind of order. But the but, Sith are trying to but, bring order. And, here's a great question. And I don't believe I'm going to be getting into this kind of headcanon bullcrap. How many people in the Empire know Palpatine is a Sith? Right. Especially considering, again, A New Hope. You know, like that ancient religion of yours, Darth Vader. You know, like how many right. of them? How many of them know? Yeah. But um, regardless, anyways, we so, got to move on. We yeah. So that, that brings us into the siege. Siege. Just it, fun, good sci-fi television. Yeah, that's a, that's. This it's is not a heist. Like I'm trying to figure out what you would call it because it's not a heist, but it's similar because you got to break in, do the mission, get out. Yeah, it's it's kind of heisty. Um, it brings back Carl Weathers and Gina Carano. It does. Which is a good decision. Always a good Gina, decision. Gina, as um, I don't know. Cara is her name. Something Cara. Cara something. Cara Dune. Cara Dune. There you yeah. Go. But so she's um, definitely a better actress than Ronda Rousey. Yes. Um, 100%. <laughs> I, she's I, getting better. Yeah. I, I definitely I, I definitely enjoyed her this season. Um, I feel like the... Wait, no, not Deadpool. 
I forget which movie I saw her in that I was like, yeah, that's like her weakest role. But she did decently in Deadpool. She was in the Fast and the Furious 5, which we watched. Oh, yeah. Um, she's done a few things, but I think Mandalorian, she's like at her best. Yeah, she's actually, I think she's doing a good job just in general. Um, so, right, so so we, we sort of bring get the team back together. Um, for to, a fun mission. For a fun mission where they find an Imperial base that's, a little bit more less abandoned than they not abandoned than they expected. Yes, this was an interesting because again, like this is where it's like it feels like just another episode until you get to the point where it's like, oh, oh, that's what they wanted the baby Yoda for. You know, right. that's what they wanted the child for is because they're taking his blood and they're trying to because it's the clone researcher. They later identify the guys like the head of clone research or something like that. But what they're doing is they're taking the blood. It sounds like they're injecting it into other people. Why, I'm not entirely certain. Because you don't get a good look at what the end result is other than it's mutated. It looks yeah. like someone's mutated in the tank. And so I'm wondering if I was... I think is this, this to, is supposed to... So you didn't see Rise of Skywalker. So this is very... You were thinking they are trying to do... They're trying Palpatine to connect stuff? this forward to, to Rise of Skywalker. Where Palpatine is basically trying to clone himself. Maybe, and so, I already know about that. I already know about all that. Um, Maybe um, the other possibility is they're just trying to create force-sensitive super soldiers. Well, and so it's also it's still not entirely clear to me what Snoke is, um, even in, even after watching Rise of Skywalker. So it could be that, but there's there's an implication I think that Snoke is a clone of some sort. So the idea that he's a He's not. He was a. He was grown in a lab, essentially. So an incredibly powerful, force-sensitive puppet that is controlled by Palpatine. So, so this could be them trying to create Snoke. No, create yeah. Snoke or something like that. That I, I think that's part of the idea here is that if you've watched the sequel trilogy, that you're getting, you know, that this is this is connected forward to what. However, Palpatine's consciousness survived with the Force. That what he's been trying to orchestrate involves getting midi chlorians out of somebody's blood, even though they're not saying midi chlorians. Yeah, MCAT. They say MCAT. Oh gosh. They, which is which is midi chlorian cat? That's tragic. But. That is tragic. But so, but here's the thing, though. Again, Mandalorian is taking some of these things that weren't necessarily handled or done well elsewhere. But and handling them a bit better because that's the thing. Like when when we get to, I think, the next episode with Ahsoka. 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 Um, Rosario Dawson doing really good in her role. Um, she doesn't mention anything about midichlorian. She's talking about the Force... As we know the force to be spoken about. So, so brief summary of her arc. She is Anakin's Padawan. I know that much at least. Um, so basically she decides that um, later in the series the Jedi Order is basically a bunch of old men who care more about rules than they care about justice than they actually care about you know, the balance and all these other things that they purport to care about. And so she leaves the she's Jedi the Order. She's the audience standing. <laughs> right, she's the audience standing. So she she sort of 
after one of her friends is, I forget the exact circumstances, is tried and convicted for something um, that by the Jedi Order, she leaves and abandons the Jedi Order, which is basically how she survives Order 66. And then she, even though she also, she's bound to know what happened to Anakin. Right. So she knows. So later in Rebels, she comes back, helps train um, Ezra, who's the sort of the main character, and she battles Darth Vader again, is presumed dead, but not seen dead. And then I think in the series finale, which I haven't, I haven't watched the entire Rebels series, but I've read some synopses. So in the season finale, she is revealed to have escaped her battle with Darth Vader somehow. And now with, she's here in the Mandalorian. And now she's here. In so a backwater planet just... So I was actually kind of surprised that she's kind of throwing around the term Jedi freely. Because to me, she's, she's a, she's a you know, light-aligned Force user who is not a Jedi. They might have kept it... As you said, we have a lot of people that never saw Clone Wars, didn't see Rebels, are now coming into this. This might be... Because this... Right, keep I know it simple. Who, I know of ah Ahsoka. Ahsoka? Ahsoka? Ahsoka. I know of her, but I've never seen those shows, therefore I don't know who she is. And I liked... I mean, I didn't get a lot, but like what I... Because it's, it's funny that you describe that being her arc. Because as I said, like for me... This felt like original, like what I'd imagine original trilogy Jedi. That is not Obi Wan. That's not Luke. That is not. She's just. She's just like out there. She's out there. She's doing her thing, and it fits with that old idea of Ronin or samurai that inspired this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, because what is she doing? She's going and she's fighting an evil warlord. And again, we have the whole Yojimbo homage. We have the whole like. Oh, I like the whole like. The showdown, like, in the garden and all of yes. that is so... Well, the garden is where it's very obvious. But again, when you see her alone walking through the town towards uh, the bad guys, that's Yojimbo right there. Yeah. That's like, they... they I think it's Yojimbo. I might be confusing the movies. Um, it's Kurosawa. But it's, yeah, it's definitely Kurosawa. Um, so they did... And again, like, this is where Michael Bean is also a guest. Um... From aliens, from yeah, and therefore you know, and also Terminator. So we have double sort of sci-fi horror, yeah, yeah, where yeah he's trying to uh, find her, and you hear the guys getting killed in the distance, kind of. And thing. you actually get one of your, they just they throw all these. This is a great episode. I actually kind of want to rewatch this now. It also you get one of your strongest Western moments. Oh yeah, the the the, the, the quick you get the where he pretends to put the gun down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get your little Western moment, yeah. The the, the duel element, the duel, and all this. It's it's this is one of these episodes just packed with, um, right? You get it's more, good. It's good character stuff because you you get him seeing the you know the the whole spear thing. So he makes the deal, but he's not gonna. Well, he doesn't actually agree to it. He doesn't. Right. I think he gets around his whole oath thing. He doesn't agree to the which we call it the mission. He goes, he finds her, and you get the whole, you know, here's the the name of the child is Grogu. Um, he won't listen to ah ah Ahsoka yet, but he'll listen to... And we really get that, how, how the bond between the two has grown. How the bond between the, Mando, the Mandalorian and Grogu has grown to where, you know, he knows how to get, not a stone, but that little bit from his ship. From the ship, right. That, um, was, a, that was a good touch, too, also, the, the bit from the ship. Yeah, um, so they... they they definitely know how to take those little details, but then, of course, you get, again, 
they I guess they leave the kid in the woods. Like yeah, that's a little bit. I mean, <laughs> presumably he's fifty years old. Yeah, he can kind of take care of himself, I guess, by that point. But the uh, or eat whatever's in the in the woods. Or yeah. Or eat an egg, and then next thing you know, the whole mama monster and its children try to try to chase down. But no, this was. I'm hoping to see more of her. I was actually expecting to see her in the last episode, but no, they didn't bring her in again. Um, Rosario Dawson was only here for one episode. If they either give her her own show she's or a, just, she's, she's getting, getting a show, I'm down for that. I, you know, see, this is this is what I've decided. I am. So I meant to talk about this earlier because they're right. There's a whole bunch of shows spawning off. Of I this. remember, yeah, because I was thinking about talking about it too. You got um, the 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 Book of Boba Fett is going to be coming out. You got an Ahsoka show. The Acolyte, which I think is supposed to be there's all there's all, there's several more Star Wars shows that have been announced. And I'm first, I'm kind of what I don't want this to turn into is a CW situation. Where you oh, got like with Arrow, Arrow Flash, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of um, Tomorrow, um, Batgirl Black, now, Batgirl, where you've got all these shows running simultaneously. That and there was a the more shows they added, I felt like the more the dip in quality was apparent. Um, where now, if you have something that's more like we get eight episodes of The Mandalorian and then a month later we get eight episodes of Ahsoka and a month later we get eight episodes of Book of Bubba Fett or something like that I can this, I mean, probably even more than a month but I can I can tolerate a content schedule like that where every I, couple months I have something new to watch I think they're looking at what Marvel originally did on Netflix yeah something more like da- that the model. Defenders right Daredevil Jessica Jones Luke Cage uh, Iron Fist and then of course the Defenders but that's the thing like that it's almost it's funny because that's almost like a distant memory right that like, nobody thinks about that. that anymore um, nobody talks about those shows anymore they just existed even Netflix doesn't really promote them anymore and in some ways, understandably, because you're not going to have anything more. All of those shows ended with a teaser, well, from what I understand, ended with some kind of a teaser for more. And then, like, well, there's not going to be any more because Disney bought Marvel and Disney wants to do their own thing. Yeah. So, the, like, all of that experiment is just done and buried. But they, and, and I think this is where I'm kind of a mixed feeling because you can do, like, what Marvel did for movies. Okay, you know what? That's fine. Doing that with television, well, that gets a bit more iffy. And Disney Plus is somewhere in between what Netflix did and what CW's doing. Because mm-hmm. CW, they were all airing at the same time. Yeah, and that's a problem. Whereas Netflix staggered it. We're going to have one show at a time. Disney Plus, I expect to do it one show at a time, just like they're doing with the Marvel. Because right now we have WandaVision, but after that's going to be um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. I think. Um, so they're going to stagger it. The thing is, they still do the weekly episode thing. So you're going to stagger it a bit differently. You can't really binge it. Or you're going to be like me and you're just going to wait to binge it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I guess we'll be right. The, the, so we'll see what the, the plan is. I'm a little bit more okay with that kind of idea. Um, especially if they just know their, their limits with it. Um, I, I could get burned out. Though their limits is not something I would actually put to many of these big corporations. 
I mean, especially when they're creating so many of their own apps for streaming. Um, yeah, that's true. Don't look but, at the clock. Don't look at the clock. I know, I was looking at the go. clock. I was just, I was I just know, trying I to keep our, our episodes go, are going. Um, so anyway, yeah, this is... I would... I would consider this one of the one of the top episodes. This is one of the highlights of the entire season. Yeah, definitely a highlight. It's really just like a highlight as a as a again, if if sort of the original trilogy and the movies are the center of your of your Star Wars, this is a highlight of just post original trilogy Star Wars content. Yeah. Well, period. This is, this is also where your whole prestige without the pretension. This is the episode where, yes, I would consider this episode prestige in the way it's directed and everything because even though it's very obvious in its influence it's still going for more than just like a cut b cut more than just a pulpy space western yeah um Um, but moving on to the the next episode which is the tragedy yes and this is the most uh this is an episode where i feel like not as i think i came I, i think i went right to Discord and wrote to you about this episode, namely Boba Fat, as I called it, because yeah. once he put the armor on, it's like you can see it stretching in ways that it's like, oh, he, oh, that this is, is not how it's supposed to fit. Like, <laughs> so this is an episode that more than previous ones basically just exists to put pieces in place. Yes, because um, technically you don't need. You don't need this episode to be an episode. Like, what is the important event that happens here? Grogu gets kidnapped. Grogu gets kidnapped. And then we reintroduce Boba Fett and... Ming-Na Wen's character. I can't remember her name. Yeah, I can't remember either. The sharpshooter that we thought died, and I'm glad to see come back. With mechanical bits in her stomach. Yeah. Um, So he's a cool character, like her. Um, Did you see the new Robocop? I did. Do you remember when they showed him and it was just the head and the fake organs? I kind of wished her internals looked more like those fake organs. Dude, that was that was disturbing in a way. Like the original RoboCop, the scene where he gets like blown to bits is disturbing. But that like it's two different kinds of disturbing. It's two different kinds. Of, the, the whole, clinical. Honestly, that scene is one of the reasons that I don't hate the new movie. I like it for what it is because it was actually someone trying to do a good job. But anyways. My, I, I just wish instead of like the random gears, it's like it was like fake organs there, like clearly fake like artificial robot organs. I kind of wish, but anyways, off topic. Digress. Off topic, but so right, so so we basically we want to get now. Honestly, these are two characters who are largely there for the sake of setting up a new show, um, not necessarily because. We need them so badly for anything else. Well, they create those circumstances. They blow right. up the ship, and that actually that that was surprising to me because like all I could think watching it was like, eh, it's a bad imitation of Serenity because it kind of is. The ship kind of looks like Serenity, but not as Serenity is not yeah. as cool, not as good as Serenity. Like I never quite liked the design, but at the same time, it's a ship. You know, and they just blew it up. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, I want to say it was the Orion class from Privateer, which was Wing Commander Privateer. Oh, gosh. It came out like 1994, you know, that old PC game. But anyway, yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me. It's like a... Am I too close? Are you too far? No, no, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. You're not fine. You're not fine. I'm totally fine. 
Um, but yeah, it's like a cargo. I have to edit this. It's like a cargo freighter with some guns, you know, kind of. Yeah, it's a like cargo freighter with guns. Yeah, it's not very flashy. It gets the job done. So and now it's blown up. And now it's blown up. But that's the thing. Like they they create a sort of purpose for Boba Fett and Ming not wanting to be there. But basically, you're now taking a ride in Slave One. The rest of the, uh, the right. Rest the rest of the season, you moved on from whatever his the Razor 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 Crest. Crest yes, from the Razor Crest to Slave One. Yeah, so Grogu gets kidnapped. Boba Fett gets to show, like, hey, guys, I'm actually cool. In ways that he never was before. And this is where, like, again, this is where I have my mixed feelings. This is like this is like Obi-Wan in the prequels, kind of. Yeah. Like, the only time you saw Obi-Wan do a lightsaber fight. Dude, this is Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. Like, this is... You never got to see Darth Vader do anything awesome. He and Obi-Wan had a ridiculous, terribly choreographed old man fight. But you liked it because of the emotional tension, anyway. Anyways, well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, what this, this is, it's a little, yes, it's that. It's because well, I don't know what you, your stance on this is, but for me, it's like I remember being a kid and for some reason thinking Boba Fett was awesome. I think it's because of the armor. I think it's just the outfit. He looked cool. Therefore, I wanted him so, to be cool. So the one thing that Boba Fett does in the entire original trilogy that's worthwhile, he's the one who figures out where Han Solo is and follows him. Yes. So he's not a complete, he's not terrible. And he manages to escape with Han Solo on Slave One um, pretty much without any trouble. When he's, you know, they try to, they try to stop him, yeah. they're shooting at him. He gets, he gets off of there. Um, so he kind of, that sort of establishes him as he's at least somewhat intelligent and crafty. Somewhat competent. He's competent. Whereas I love the idea that Boba Fett is actually a terrible bounty hunter. He's constantly stumbling and everything works out by convenience. Like, right. I like the idea of, like, if you were to make a Boba Fett show, it would be a comedy. But, 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 that's not he's how a, he's fans a... have decided he's awesome. The, the, the Tales from Jabba's Palace has this awful... Story of how he survived the Sarlacc pit, which um, is... which let's talk about the complete. No, let's not actually talk about the complete idiocy that is. Why would a why would any creature have a how many years digestion cycle? I don't know. It's some ridiculous ridiculous number of near years. It's it's dumb. Uh, yeah. No, I I can't even. But regardless, it's like I would need a lot of parsecs. To yeah. explain why that's uh, bad. I've always wanted him to stay dead. I've always thought this whole, so, like, he's awesome. I, I've never really liked it, but... Maybe I should let you talk. I talk a lot. No, go say it, say it, say it. Okay, but... He's basically a whole new character anyway, so right. I mean, like... Yeah, <laughs> they basically... They're right. They cut a whole new character of what we... Of what some of us thought Boba Fett should be. Rather than how he actually is presented, and it's it's interesting because again, like they they give him a little bit of death de death depth with what little we get of him, which is he really took the death of his dad hard. This is his dad's armor, just with a new paint job, so and uh, they do again. They he does reveal that evidently this armor was gifted to his father. By um, the Mandalorians, right, which makes it legit. So I was just thinking about it. in the in the um, the Clone Wars, kind of how, to your point. He shows up. He hates Jedi. 
He hates everyone. He's like a kid trying to get connected. He sort of gets himself connected with the criminal underworld to try to take down the Jedi, or specifically Mace Windu. Um, He's already... Yeah, oh, no, because it's, it's in between, yeah. So, but anyway, so like, but he sort of, he mostly screws up and fails at that. Um, but anyway, so this is him all grown up. Uh, as a, again, as a character that you've introduced into this, this sort of lore of Mandalorians and bounty hunters and other things, he's great. As a continuation of the character we saw in... Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. He's basically a whole new character. He's not, yeah. Especially because, again, like the, the way they portray this Boba Fett, well, except for maybe the... This is where I got some mixed feelings, because it's like in this scene, he's completely amazing. Never would have been Boba Fett, Boba Fett weird. Um, and then in the last episode, I think it is, we see him struggle with a the, the young Mandalorian sidekick woman. Because we need to make sure everybody looks awesome in that scene. Oh yeah, like yeah. It's like we need to make sure like her her strength is legit as well. Um, so it's like these are some of the weaker moments of the show for me. I think because again, it's like uh, you, I know why you have Boba Fett because all the fans got blah 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 Boba Fett. But it's like you know what? If this was the only Star Wars that ever existed. Fine, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, because yeah. He's, he's, he is a new, he's a character that's got his own honor code. It might not be Mandalorian's honor code, but it's one that the two of them can understand. Yeah. Oh, it is kind of interesting where you've got three different people in the armor, essentially, with three different codes and you know three different histories and all, all of that. It's, it it kind of is, is you know in the show called The Mandalorian. You know, who's the Mandalorian? Is it you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, yeah, so that, and also that episode introduces those, like, robo-troopers who can fly through space uh, yeah, these, and yes, all death that. Death troopers or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, if, if you want to make a toy. Um, <laughs> Which and then that's, they also do this whole thing with them. It's the classic move, right, where you need to establish how menacing, and they do it more in the following episodes, but you have to establish how menacing the, this new the, this new villain, villain is, is, so that when they get completely dismantled, it's like, whoa, the guy who did that is awesome. Yes. Uh, sorry. So next episode, the Believer. So this is a this is another general. This is the heist or the the, the Indiana Jones. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here like, was it that soon? And it's like, yeah, that was that soon. That's episode seven. Yeah. Yeah, the train. The train ride thing. The this is an episode I love and I also kind of dislike at the same time. Well, I was like, it's more that there's an aspect of it I dislike because for the most part, I really like this episode. Yeah, I'm not sure what I think about Bill Burr's character or the fact that you have Bill Burr playing this character. But I like the the whole again, like he's driving. You have the Indiana Jones moment where he Mandalorian's just in a completely different set of armor. Still trying to fight these guys off, and they're getting tossed off. Some of them are getting run over. Like it feels very Indiana Jones. It's really fun. Yeah. But you also start to have some of that tension between a former Empire uh, sharpshooter and a former Rebel Alliance um, dropshooter trooper. You get in some of that. Right. And he's trying to deliver that. You know, it's like you know, you, at some point it doesn't matter which side's which. 
but they they do have that moment though where it looks like they're not going to make it. The enemies are ca- the, the 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 native the natives are catching up, um, and all of a sudden the Tie Fighters swoop in, and it's just to me this really interesting moment where the Tie Fighters swoop in, and the music is all triumphant. Right. It's like. It's um, it's like it's, 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 it's the it's the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank God the Nazis are here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's basically what it is. Is you know the the time I know exactly <laughs> what you. And if you never listen to us talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I mean, it earns its name. And that's one of the ways that it earns its name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it, but it's, it's that juxtaposition where it's like for once, and you see like they're all applauding them. You know, yeah. Yeah, you guys made a good job kind of a thing. And then it feels like such a manufactured moment to have him take his helmet off. It's... It's one of those, like, I, I get it because this is, I feel like they're talking, there's, you know, so much and he's... Well, he's they're definitely of, trying to lead up to it. Bill, yeah. Bill Burr is trying to lead up to it by talking about, you know, how uncomfortable that helmet is, why he doesn't take his helmet off, why this, blah, blah, blah. They, they're definitely trying to build up to the fact that he's going to take it off, but it doesn't feel like the right emotional moment. So, I, I'm okay with that, though. I think... So, so we had one moment where he took off the helmet last season, and that yes, was basically and it was a big moment, right? And it was I sort of like the idea that on the one hand this isn't a big moment, but on the other hand it's a moment that seems critical to completing the mission. And I understand that because if the, the part of it that I understand is it shows just how much. He's will, what he's willing to do in order to save Grogu. But I still don't. I still think things would have been fine if Bill Bird did the whole face scan thing, and they still got called over for the conversation. Um, and you still have because that tense conversation oh, so is the real like highlight of that moment, like that conversation where you know. You have the, as I said, like you now have the idea of the imperial leaders that are so much about order and how it's like it's a small sacrifice to bring order to the galaxy. And it's not the last time we'll hear that because next episode we'll have something similar. And then this is also another connection here, if you haven't read that. It's um, Star Wars Battlefront 2, um, the, the new one, the most recent. So they is that talk in the campaign? And the, the, yeah, the campaign of that. Starts with the that whole event that they're I forget what it's called. Uh, it's a specific battle or something. Yeah, like that. A specific battle. That's 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 from that. That's a reference to the campaign mode in Star Wars Battlefront Two. Interesting. So yeah, we are definitely getting to see how the video games they're definitely treating as being canonical with and how they're yeah. grabbing. Okay. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's like that. So it is this tense moment that also. This is where, you know, this Bill Burr character becomes interesting because we get to understand better why he'd leave the Empire, what, mm-hmm. why he, he is how he is kind of a thing. And again, it's a, it's a tense conversation and it just really works. 
And also, after he shoots the guy, you have that brief moment where everything stopped, and the one dude just holding his lunch tray, yeah. clearly not sure what to do. <laughs> and it's well, so it's one of those, uh, it's one of those things. I kind of, I'll freak I'm, out when a baby egg is eaten, but I'm going to sit yeah. there and laugh when a guy just getting his lunch is about to get shot to death. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> I guess what it's one of those things where the you know the whole thing, everything they're doing is to try to prevent. This moment, essentially, yeah. That we want to do this all quietly. We've done. We, you know, you know, Mando even takes off his mask to his helmet to make this happen. But then, what ends up happening? We end up. It ends up going coming to a shooting solution and a shootout to escape. And I still don't think you should have taken. Again, we'll get into it with the last episode because the last episode is the rescue. Um. And honestly, this is a really solid finale. It, this is like a action. just wall-to-wall action, action finale. Yes. Yeah. And lots of good action. Um, I did find it funny when I realized, oh, it's basically the Mandalorian's angels. Because it's him doing his <laughs> his thing. And then, like, because I was wondering, it's like, what, happened to, what happened to the dude Mandalorian that was with uh, Bo- Bo-Katan? Because he just vanishes. Oh, yeah. He's just gone. So you have the two Lady Mandalorians, you have Ming-Na Wen, and you got Gina Carano, and Boba Fett, he just flies off. So actually like Boba Fett's angels. It's Fett's angels, yes, Fett's plus angels, Mandalorian. Plus Mandalorian. It's, so it's like, okay, you got your girl He's power. Charlie or whatever. You have your representation, you got your girl power, they're all kicking butt. Um, and yet you still have, like, there's three things that happen in this episode that I, I want to talk about. So the first one is probably going to be the briefest one, which is at the very end... The Mandalorian takes off his helmet for Grogu, but he's already taken his helmet off for Grogu. Maybe not for Grogu face-to-face, but it's like, it means... This is what I meant. Like, this moment means less to me because we just saw him take his helmet off in the previous episode. You did it too often. This should have been the moment this season because the last season, okay, you bend the rules, he took the helmet off because it's an android. It's technically not a living being. This season, this should have been the moment where... On his own will, his bond with the child was strong enough that he'd take the helmet off. Now, again, I understand the previous episode, he takes his helmet off, and it's like, because he cares that much about the child, he's willing to even take his helmet off and break the rules so he can find Grogu. But, it it still, it, it reduces the impact of this moment. If I, this was the only time this season he took his helmet off, then it would mean a lot more, I think. Instead, it's like, well, I guess he's just not going to wear his helmet that often anymore. I mean, I can see that. I can see it having... But I think it also... it. Because, I mean, what's the point, then? Like, what's the point of having that rule? If he's going to take it off, and especially two episodes in a row, by choice. Like, it's under different circumstances, but it's by choice. This should have been the only... The last episode should have been the only episode he took his helmet off. So I think I think the difference. Okay, I got a better. I got a better question for you. How would it have been worse if he if this was the only episode that he did, took his helmet off? Because this time he did it. This the first time he does it, basically for the sake of the mission, right? There's a to save to save Grogu. He does that for the sake of the the mission. The second time he does it, he does it. It's entirely based on 
their emotional bond. Nobody's life is at stake. No, nothing. So I think I think you give it gives you two different takes on that. Where the one time he feels like if he doesn't take his helmet off here, he puts his ability to rescue Grogu for Grogu to survive. In he puts that in jeopardy. The second time he's it's just taking he's taking off his helmet to take off his helmet because he he. He's not being forced to take off his helmet. This time he wants to take off his helmet. I see what you mean, but I think if you really wanted that to be worthwhile, you would have needed to dedicate more. And I know it's like there's such a thing as too much, but I think you would have needed to dedicate more time to that idea of doing it for the mission. Because you would have needed to introduce the conflict. Because we, we do know that they've got these rules about the mission. That's not how that episode is set up. That's not how a conflict is set up. You'd have to just kind of intuit that conflict. And again, like it doesn't answer as to how it would have been worse. Because it's not worse. It's not worse. It just, it just is. Worse. And so I, I guess this is one of those things where like the you could probably have a conversation with, you know, John Favreau and Dave Filoni as to why they felt the need to do two, and maybe they could explain it well, uh, or at least give you some idea as to the thing. It just, I don't think it's worth, I, I guess I don't think it's worth arguing about or being, or trying to justify. Everything we argue about, and this is the one thing you're going to be like, it's not worth it. <laughs> well, it's just, <laughs> wait till we have our Witcher episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, it's, it's more just, I still, I like, it's one of those things where like, it's a, could it have been better? If he only took it off once, could it have been better if they provided I think it would have been more? better. At the very least, I don't think it would have been worse. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been worse if he had only taken it off the once. But I could still I mean, see. I could still see just trying to. Maybe there's some. Maybe there's some idea that I'm not catching. Where so the the first time he takes it off, he takes it off for his own sake, right? In season one, in season one to save his own life, he takes his helmet off. The second time he does it. He does it in his quest to find Grogu, but it's back last, to back episodes, and it's, it's like, back to back episodes. It really, true. again, it really, it, honestly, it does because uh, also it's then, one I, thing with an android, and now like other living people have already seen his face. It's like it's like you know, well, everybody who saw him in the in the Imperial think about it like this. Dead, think about so. it like this. Think about it like this. The first person your wife tells you is going to have she's going to have a baby isn't you. It's the mailman. That's what it feels like when a bunch of random Imperials get to see his face. Versus Grogu seeing it next episode. It's like, you know, the first person to find out you're about to have a kid is just some random stranger delivering the mail. But no, that's, I mean... Or the cashier at the supermarket. But see, but there's not a necessity to it. That's what I'm saying. So they put, they, there's, there's a necessity... To him removing that helmet in that context, it's more like the first person to see me naked. Uh, this is the, I don't know why you're so hung up on this. I don't know fine. why you're why you're hung up on this being a problem. This is this is one of those things. That's what I'm saying. Like we, sh there's no reason to. This is an interesting thing. Maybe it would have been better. Well, I also we, said this is the least amount of time uh, of the things. But I'm then you're arguing about. with me about it. Instead of you're not because you're me. wrong. But you're wrong. <laughs> I'm never wrong. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> next next point. The next point. Uh, I said three points, right? Let me just... Uh, sorry, can I provide my counterexample here? Oh, God. It's... 
Never mind. I'm not going to go there because it's just it dumb. Okay. Go to the next point. Um, uh, which would, which do we think we're going to talk about? Okay, next one should be a short point. The lead into potential conflict for next season, which is the dark saber and who gets it. Mm-hmm. Which I find funny because again, if we're talking about themes they could have built throughout the season, you could have built a sort of tradition versus not tradition or whatever, playing looser with the rules, better as a theme, as an idea. Um, instead you have a whole bunch of people as you said we now have three Mandalorians with their own set of honor and if we go into the next season with that being the core of it that would be interesting even though Boba Fett's getting his own show so we probably won't see him again yeah Um, but I find it funny that the woman that was talking about you know extremists that will never take off their helmets is now being very rigid in the rules as to how she can accept the dark that's the point that's the point. That's the point. That's the point. Is that is that she's she's like oh those crazy you know whatever it's the you know not to get too political but you know it's the uh, the cultists just say the cultists the well it, yeah but I'm trying to think of the like a, you know it's it's the one group of extremists calling the other extremists oh they're extre- they're they're the extremists not us okay I get what you mean I get what it's you mean. like the it's the you it's know, not, that's not that's yeah, not yeah I don't think it was specific groups to, to not be political right it's the sort of one yeah so and, and so it's just like oh well like those guys whoa they're really far out yeah but if you you know defeat the guy who had the dark saber then you're totally legit you're, yeah, yeah you're whatever whatever it is but yeah so it's I, I think well, that's, that's more thing. what they were doing is they sort of they sort of show they'll be able to build it better in next season if that becomes part of the core conflict. Because yeah. if you're going to do a third season, I feel like that's where, like, that's, okay, That that's our seed there. That's our plot seed. Like, he's got the Darksaber. Now what's, what's, what are they going to do about it? I don't know why, but I wanted to I want to see a shot of Mando in his armor, like, leaning on the Darksaber, like Conan. Oh, oh my gosh. At the end, like, like. How does. a beard growing up <laughs> under the helmet. How does. How does Mando end up being the king of Mandalorian? You know, that's another story. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, um, but so, a, a giant like rancor skull on his shoulder as a pauldron or something. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what his throne's made out of—is a rancor skull. A rancor skull, very nice. Uh, but the, the, uh, a little, another little note before we get to the final talking point, um, which is again, like as I said, you had the um, the the officer in a previous episode talking about order. And then in the next, the beginning of this episode, when they hijack the uh, shuttle, the Imperial shuttle, you have two grunts of two different perspectives. One just wants to live. Then you have one that is wholly faithful to the idea of empire and order. And, you know, and again, you're talking about the previous episode, the, the guy talking about, you know, a small sacrifice for order. And, you know, now this guy's talking about Alderaan because, you know, him, him and... Kara are sitting there exchanging jabs about, you know, blowing yeah. up a planet versus blowing up which deaths are, you know, which one. And just, you get that fierce anger as he, like, says, you know, small, what is it, small price to pay to wipe out a planet of terrorists or something like that, or stop terrorism and yeah, the galaxy. Like and it's like, dang! And the funny thing is, a line like that could be made to feel political. 
maybe there was some kind of a political intent behind it, but it doesn't feel it. It feels wholly at home with adding depth to this setting without having to make commentary about whatever is going on in, or has gone on in, you know, conventional politics. Yeah. It's like, mm, like that, that was another one of those moments where it's like, this is, mm, it's, it's, it's adding just enough gray and sophistication to Star Wars without going over the top or without putting the pretension in prestige television, as you said. But now the inevitable. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker shows up. So, I, I had... <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I can't. Uh, okay, so firstly, I was spoiled on this. I, I knew this was going to happen. Like, I heard my family talk about it already. Yeah. Because they can't, they can't keep a secret. Um, so, I was like, okay, he shows up. He's going to take the child, whatever. Um, I laughed at the deep fakery. <laughs> the, I couldn't help it. It looked and sounded so they, awkward. Why can't they do this better? <laughs> like they have to random do... jokers on the internet can deep fake better than this. Yeah, I this really was amazing to me. I, I really don't understand that. Um, so, so other than the the you know the special effect basically being on the same level as Leia in uh, Rogue One or Thrawn in a was it Thrawn? No, as um, uh, Peter Cushing's character. I can't remember the name of the character. Which one was Tarkin? Didn't someone say Thrawn in this? Thrawn is a extended universe character from who became the a, Empire, right? Who became a Rebels character who is now apparently going to become a live action character in one of the series. Interesting. So they are bringing a Grand Admiral Thrawn in. Okay. Yeah. So the, yeah, he's different than. Does he Tarkin. still have blue skin? Didn't he have blue skin in the book? Yeah, he did. Okay. Blue skin. He's like the only alien in the entire empire, apparently. Interesting. Um, someone that may not be alien, but just anyway. So my first thought was right. Okay, like, do we have to connect everything to the Skywalker saga? Um, it's just kind of. I understand that thought too, because that's and, my feeling as well. And then my, but my second thought was just as as a as a fan. As someone, you know, Luke Skywalker was my favorite character. I know some people like Han Solo. I like Luke Skywalker. You can figure out what that says about me as a person. Um, probably, I think most people. Most people like Luke Skywalker. But or so, Princess Leia. Or Han Solo. I mean, or Han, they, yeah, yeah. Anyway, or Chewbacca. Now I kind of identify with Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different story. So, the basically what we missed with Luke is really like Return of the Jedi is when he's finally developed his skills, right? And he gets a cool battle with the, um, I guess he gets some speeder bike shenanigans that are cool. But, yeah. he gets, but in terms of Jedi stuff, he gets the cool, the Jabba's Palace barge battle. He actually gets a lot of cool moments. He fights a Rancor. He goes on okay. the Jabba. Yeah. He, he gets, gets a, a lot of cool a... moments. It's just, it's not like on the level of the prequel where he's taking on an entire army himself. Right. Well, it's also, it's, it's like, he's sort of like, he's, you have the idea that he's fully completed his journey to being a Jedi when he defeats Darth Vader. That and then you don't get to see you don't get to see this you get this idea after now that we've had the sequel trilogy. Well, we sort this, of this is this is part of where again like, I think this really determines again what feels Star Warsy to someone is subjective. 
and I hate using that term sometimes, but it is. And I think this is one of those examples why, because you say he doesn't complete his journey. I say no. The completion of his journey has nothing to do with his lightsaber combat skills. It has to do with throwing the lightsaber away and refusing Palpatine and refusing the fight with Vader right, and his right. father. Not... That's the completion of his training. But what do fanboys want? Fanboys want, I want to see glow stick lightsaber rave. But you know? can, can it be both? Can it be, right. So the completion of his... The completion... Yeah, but one of these is actually emotionally fulfilling and the other one of these is forgettable because it's like, eh, yeah, it was cool. Anyway, but here's the, here's the deal. You're, you're, you're sort of being unnecessarily degrading, antagonistic, uh, antagonistic to, to the viewpoint that there's a cool character, he becomes, he completes his training and becomes a Jedi, and then that's the last we ever see of him. He comes back in a movie 30 years later... And he's a grumpy old man. And what we kind of get the idea is that in between is he's this, you know, totally awesome Jedi roaming around the galaxy, doing cool stuff. And we got all these, you know, the extended universe books where where there were all of these great adventures of Luke Skywalker being totally awesome Jedi. And you never got that in the and Right. And never, we never got that television. in canonical material. We got, you know, okay, Luke... You know, thought about murdering Ben Solo, who becomes Kylo Ren, and then becomes a grumpy old man. And you miss that whole part in between. So it's nice to see that part in between. And it's also kind of as a as a cap on the other end of it, essentially. Where the sort of now, the last time I've seen Luke Skywalker, just sort of emotionally, is, is as the symbol of hope he was originally. That he comes in... Yeah. He fights everybody. He takes Grogu away to train him as a Jedi. That he's a hope for, for Grogu to have a future with a someone who is going to be a good master and caring and all that other stuff. You know what the funny thing is to me? I think one of the reasons I never had an issue with Luke Skywalker being as he was in Last Jedi and being inherently different from what he was, is in part because Mark Hamill is different. Like, I talked to you about this. Like, yeah. Mark Hamill's voice does not sound like his young voice anymore. It sounds like he's done the Joker so much that it's impacted his voice permanently. I mean, he's just old. Um, People get old. That's, well, that's part of it, but it doesn't sound like, like... Dude, listen to him in Return of the Jedi and listen to him talk now. He sounds more Joker than he does of Luke these days. Now, that, part of that's because that. one of these is, is more recent, but... I mean... Um, the, but I think for me, though, it's like... One of those interesting... Th and I'm not necessarily going anywhere with it. It's like... I just think it's one of those interesting things where, for me, it never bothered me because it... It's a different Mark Hamill. And, and Therefore, so, okay. it being a different Luke works... So, better. let me get this straight. I think... So, I recently rewatched The Last Jedi. Maybe the fourth, third or fourth time I've seen it now... Um, I think that the Luke, Rey, Kylo portion of The Last Jedi is like S-tier Star Wars. I think it's some of the best Star Wars that we have gotten. If not the best, 
it fluctuates because there's some moments that are just really dumb. There's a, there's a couple of dumb moments, but every Star Wars I mean, movie that has... Was, that was the part of the movie that I actually really liked. Right, there's that dumb one. But Luke is right. That's that's my... that's So I'm not, I don't have a problem with Luke being a grumpy old man. I just regret that we never get to see anything in between Luke being... A grumpy bold, old man and a bold, hopeful hero, and Luke become being a grumpy old man. Yeah, even um, though te- well, that's the funny thing because in Return of the Jedi, let's be honest, technically he was a Jedi by that point. He was no longer in training. He was technically done by that point. It's just again, this is part of where everyone's expectations gets muddled about by the prequels. Right. I, I mean, mean, he was yeah. a master Jedi by time in Return of the Jedi. I mean, he took down... He, he stood on his own against Darth Vader, like his dad. Right. Um, but again, like, we're, we're, we're mixing right. it up, and what people these days want is crazy force powers and lightsabers flying around, and I don't agree with that, but for the moment, it works well enough. Right. I mean, it works well enough, and again, like, I'm also at the point where it's like, of course they're going to bring in Luke Skywalker. So, I mean, I was... And honestly, of- honestly, it makes... Since there's not a lot of Jedi left. Yeah. In fact, really, who else was it going to be? Um, Ezra Bridger. People were saying Ezra Bridger from Clone Wars because, or not Clone Wars, Rebels, because we, you know, we're bringing in characters from that's right, the Filoni verse. Right, right, right. Um, there was a fringe idea that I was really behind, which was they were going to bring in Mace Windu, get Samuel L. Jackson. He is. He has been declared still alive. He survives the fall. That has been officially somebody he made. <sighs> he made no, no, no. Samuel L. Jackson made George Lucas do this. Apparently, say like basically sort of like okay, you're still alive. You didn't die. Um, so I'm expecting you know Samuel L. Jackson with robot arms comes in and maybe because it says that he had been at the Jedi Temple. Maybe that's who saved it. Maybe Mace Windu saved Grogu. From the massacre, from Anakin's massacre, that's why he disappears. He disappears with Grogu, sort of like Yoda and Obi Wan disappear with Luke and Leia. I'm not even going to speculate on any of this. And this would have been, been that would have been that would have been cool. Don't tell me that would have been cool if it was Samuel L. Jackson with robot arms coming in there. Like this is why you can't believe just because a planet blew up, Han Solo is actually dead. Like it's crap like this. It's crap like this comic book. Show me the body crap. Anyways, anyways, um, but yeah, going back, it makes sense that if there's any Jedi in the galaxy that is still living, Luke would be the one to take him and train him. Now, where's Grogu in Last Jedi and all those events? Well, I guess we'll find out as they work on their continuity, but it's the Grogu show. What if they do a season three of Baby of Baby? (laughs) What if they do a season three of the Baby Yoda show with no Baby Yoda? Well, that's why my sister is not sure she wants to watch a season three because it's the Baby Yoda show. And how are you going to have the Baby Yoda show without Baby Yoda? Not me. I'm fine with what they do after this. Like, Uh, I liked the I liked the child. He's amusing, but that's not what makes the show. I I would have been. I'm I'm the weirdo who's like, you know what? This is a perfect. Ending. It's a good ending too. If, if they if this was where they had to end the show, 
It'd be fine, even though you do have that. Now you have the loose, like, dark saber thing going on. But that's just fine. That's fine. That's the kind of tension that's just great at the end. Who knows what happens? <laughs> this Bo Katan, you know. Trying- that should have been episode seven. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, really good stuff all around. I kind of want to watch watch it again. I definitely, I definitely want to go watch. Um, it is that fun. It is that enjoyable. Um, the the Jedi, yeah, that episode again. Um, yes. Where we meet Ahsoka. Um, really good stuff. But we've been talking for a long time now. Very long I'm gonna time. Gonna hate adding music to this. It's gonna take forever. But uh, I wanted to make sure we didn't rush it, and let's just. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't because I can't see the time at all. Uh, even um, if we, and there, even if we. Uh, did argue a little bit too long about when and where the Pedro Pascal off. should have taken his helmet off, yeah. Or about what counts as finishing a Jedi arc. Like, <laughs> again, this is where, again, like as I said, what, what makes Star Wars Star Wars to someone is going to change and be different. And it's going to be different to someone that was in the theaters in 1978 than it is to someone that watched it as a kid on HBO or something. But that all said... Mandalorian is good Star Wars because it's good television. Absolutely. So, alright. Actually, no. That, that is good television, but it's not good television because it's good Star Wars. And it's not good Star Wars because it's good television. Because you can have both, and yet still... Well, Let's get into the whole Western Samurai thing we no, were doing. No, no, Anyways, uh, RumblePack64.com. Please leave a comment if you got any. Uh, and I hope everybody has a good night. Have a good night.